going to be bringing a message to you entitled, Who Needs Prayer? Would you answer that question? Who needs prayer? Today is one of the last times that I'll be speaking to you as your pastor. Don't get me started. You will have the opportunity today to ask questions of your pastoral candidate. Our pastor search team has unanimously recommended to the church that we call Harold Butler as our new pastor. And he and his wife, Gina, are here today. Y'all just raise your hands so everybody can see them. There they are. Amen. Yeah. <clears throat> They'll be in the fellowship hall enjoying some wings and other good food with us, and uh, then you'll have opportunity after you've scarfed down some food to uh, ask questions of him. You can ask anything you want with this stipulation. You must remember that your questions should honor the candidate, right? You would not ask me anything that would dishonor me. I expect you to behave the same way with the pastoral candidate. Right? You can harass him all you want to once he's your pastor. All right. So Harold and Gina, we welcome you in the name of the Lord. We are glad you're here. We're thankful for what God is doing in your lives. And we're excited to see what the Lord is going to do. God bless you, brother. As I prepare for my departure, there's some things I want to leave with you. And they're all found in this text. I want to welcome the people who are listening by way of the Internet. I'm asking you to download that listening guide, the same one we're using right here in the worship center at... Eastside Baptist Church in Auburndale, Florida. Hope you'll be able to follow along with us as we study God's Word. I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 3, if you have your Bibles. I'm reading from the New King James, but you shouldn't have any trouble following along in whatever translation you're using. I'm beginning in chapter 3 of Ephesians and verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him 
who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church. By Christ Jesus, to all generations, forever and ever, amen, somebody's car alarm is going off. And it sounds like it's back in the back parking lot. So if you're back there, you might want to press your button. Otherwise, it'll drain your battery. Okay. Now we have two. <laughs> you know, the old devil does not want the word of God to be preached. He will try anything he can to disrupt, interrupt, distract, um, but we're not going to let him, are we? Paul's writing to the believers at Ephesus. He's writing this letter, along with some others, from a prison cell. He was probably imprisoned in Rome, and he carried a deep daily burden for the church. Now, while he was in prison, he wrote the uh, letter to the Ephesians. He also wrote Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. 2 Corinthians 11.28 expresses Paul's burden for the churches. And apart from other things, he says, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. My burden for all the churches. Can I just share with you that since I came to be pastor here at Eastside Baptist Church almost three years ago now, I have carried a daily burden for you. I've wanted only the best for you. No need to respond. So um, that burden is going to continue. Because I love you and I care about what happens to you. And I want the best for you. So that burden will continue and I will be praying for you. And if Harold Butler is your pastor, I'll be checking up on you. I'll say, Brother Harold, how is so-and-so? And he'll give me a report. It is a daily burden that is given to whoever pastors the church. God burdens the pastor. You cannot imagine the burden unless you've been in that role. You're the first thing on my mind when I wake up in the morning and the last thing on my mind when I go to sleep at night. I worry about you. I'm concerned about you. It is a daily burden that is carried. Whoever the next pastor is, is going to have that burden. Paul knew that the best thing to do with that burden is pray. 
And all the aspects of Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church are things that I pray for you here at Eastside Baptist Church in Auburndale. Paul makes four requests of God for the Ephesian believers. First of all, in chapter 3, verses 14 through 16, listen to what he says again. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man. So I'm praying for you that you might have strength from the Holy Spirit. This is not normal human strength. It is strength that only the Spirit of God can give you. When Paul says, I bow my knees, he is not talking about a posture. He is talking about an attitude of heart that surrenders to the Lordship of Christ, is reverent to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is an attitude of humility and dependence upon the Lord. The whole family in heaven and earth refers to believers that have gone on to heaven and believers who are still alive, from whom the whole family is named. Do you realize that when you got saved, you also got a new name? It is God's name for you. He has personally and individually named you as His own child. You belong to Him. Nothing will ever change that. So we have believers in heaven... And we have believers here on earth, and they're all part of the family of God. Paul prays that these believers might be given strength in the inner man by the working of the Holy Spirit. This is my prayer for each one of you. As we get older, our bodies get weaker. But as we grow old in Christ, we should grow stronger in the Holy Spirit. So spiritual power is available to everybody. Everybody who will submit to the Word of God and whoever will submit to the Holy Spirit, spiritual power is available to us. So I want to see Eastside Baptist Church, its individual members, being filled, controlled, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's what's going to bring about change in people's lives. It won't be because we're good church members. It won't be because we teach a Sunday school class. It won't be because we give an offering. It won't be because we serve. It'll be because the Spirit of God is at work in our lives, transforming us under His grace. That's what I pray for you. I want that for every single one of you. You say, I'm a young person. Well, young people can be filled, controlled, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. They can be. And when they are, they stand out. You want to stand out? Get filled with the Holy Spirit. So that's my prayer for you. I want the Father to fill you with strength that comes from the Holy Spirit. Listen. You cannot stand against this culture. You cannot stand against the wiles of the devil. You cannot stand against the flesh in your own strength. You will fail. But if you have the power of the Holy Spirit upon your life, you can stand. You can be strong. 
even in the face of great difficulties. So I'm going to pray. You ready? Let's pray. Father, I pray that Eastside Baptist Church will be filled, controlled, empowered, revitalized, and directed by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm going to keep praying, but we're going to have a prayer time, right? I'm going to keep praying, and I'm going to keep preaching. And at the end of this sermon, we're going to have a prayer time. We're going to ask God to do what only He can do. And that's empower us to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two. Paul prayed in verse 17. Listen to the way he prayed. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Christ reigning in every heart. Every believer, according to the Scripture, is already indwelt by the Holy Spirit. In fact, I have a couple of references I'd like for you to follow along with me. And this is Romans chapter 8. Listen to the way this reads. Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. Paul writes to the Romans, Romans 8 9, For you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Listen, friend. When you gave your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit came to live in you permanently. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He is there. You can't get rid of Him if you try. He will never leave you. If you're a child of God, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been born again to a living hope through the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit. He is there with you. And He'll never leave you. There's another verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. Listen to what it says. Don't you let anybody tell you that you could be saved and not have the Holy Spirit. It's just not true. If you are saved, you got saved because the Holy Spirit came and made you alive. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, listen to this. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. This is not talking about water baptism. This is talking about the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit whereby He grabs a hold of you and says, you're a sinner and you say, yes I am. I want to be saved. And He takes you and places you in the body of Christ there to be permanently indwelt by the Spirit. Woo! going to be okay. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks. If you're not a Jew, you're a Greek. Everybody falls into those categories. Guess which one you all are. You're Greeks, but now you've been made into Jews. Right? Because he is a, Drew, a Jew indeed who has been changed in his heart. 
So now you're changed, therefore, you're a true Jew. Part of God's eternal family. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we've all been made to drink into one spirit. That simply says, every person who's ever been saved got the Holy Spirit the moment they got saved. We all have been indwelt by the same Holy Spirit. He's there, and He's never going away. What does that have to do with Christ reigning in the heart? Well, Paul says, I'm praying that Christ may dwell in your hearts. And he uses this word dwell, which literally means to be at home. You can be in a house and not be at home. Right? So Jesus is at home in your heart when you are yielded to him. He is at home in your heart when you've been cleansed from sin. He is at home in your heart when you're trusting in Him. He is at home in your heart when you're seeking His will. He is at home in your heart when you're wanting to be obedient. He is at home in your heart when you have yielded your heart to Him. He's not at home in the heart that never seeks Him. He's there. But he's not at home. Are you ready to pray? Let's pray. Father, I pray that the Lord Jesus will find a home at Eastside Baptist Church in the hearts of every believer here. May Jesus be pleased to walk among us and reveal himself to us. May he be pleased to minister to our needs. May He be pleased to be at home at Eastside Baptist Church. May He be pleased to dwell here. May He be pleased to be exalted here, to be honored here, to be lifted up here, to be put on display here. May He be pleased. We pray in His great name. Amen. Number three. Grounded in Christ's love. Chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. <clears throat> that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul prays that the church might be characterized by self-giving, self-sacrificing love. When he mentions the height, the width, the length, and the depth, he's not talking about four aspects of love. He is simply talking about the vast and complete nature of the love of Christ. It is all-encompassing. Now listen carefully. Eastside Baptist Church is a loving church fellowship. Okay, and I knew that the day we stepped foot on this place. Y'all have loved us and cared about us. Brother Harold, let me just say this to you. If you have the privilege of being called here as pastor, 
These people are going to love you. They're going to love you, Gina. They're going to take good care of you. They're going to minister to you. They're going to lift you up and honor you. They will bless your socks off. They are that kind of congregation. Aren't you? You're a loving church fellowship. And it's not the fact that you're just emotionally loving people. You're sacrificially loving people. Look here. I don't care what color your skin is. You are welcome at Eastside Baptist Church. Can I just say this to you? If you're a transgender person here today, you are welcome at Eastside Baptist Church. You know why? The love of Christ encompasses all. And we love you. Hey, if you're a drunk, you are welcome at Eastside Baptist Church. Hey, if you're a prostitute, you are welcome at Eastside Baptist Church. If you're a drug dealer, you're welcome. But don't try, try passing the drugs around. Now listen, what I'm saying to you is this. Everybody's different. And we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit, controlled by Him, or we will judge each other. We'll be critical of each other. We'll compare each other. And it's not right. That's not the love of Christ. And Paul prays and he says, I want you to be filled with the love of Christ, rooted and grounded. What that means is that everything you do comes back to this. I need to express the love of Christ to this person, no matter what. Say, what about the person that treats me wrong? Huh. What's the Bible say about that? Love your enemies. What about that person that cheated me? Love them. What about that person that is just downright ugly and you just can't get along with them? You love them, right? And you can't do that in your own strength. You have to have the love of Christ. And you know what the Bible says? The love of Christ is what makes us different from everybody else. It's not how much Bible knowledge you have. It's do you love people? I mean, do you really love them with a sacrificial love? Where do you get your nose out of joint? First time somebody looks crooked at you. I don't care. You know, you could be male or female, young or old, pretty, ugly. We're going to love you. We're going to love you here. That's what I want to see happening at Eastside Baptist Church. I would like for the reputation of Eastside Baptist Church to be this. Wow, over there, they really love you. They really do care about you. You ready to pray? Let's pray. Father, I pray that our love for one another will increase and abound still more and more. 
I pray that you will fill our hearts with the kind of love that washes dirty feet. I pray that you'll fill our hearts with the kind of love that wipes dirty faces. I pray that you'll fill our hearts with the kind of love that changes dirty lives. Lord, may you be honored and glorified. May the church continue to grow and thrive. May it be filled with a greater love than we can produce on our own. May it be a love that comes from Jesus himself. In his great name, amen. Grounded in Christ's love. Finally, number four. Filled with the fullness of God. Verses 19 through 21. <clears throat> that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's what Paul prayed. Or the Ephesian church. Paul prays that the church would be flooded with the presence, power, and wisdom of God. Notice how Paul carries this theme throughout his letter. In chapter 3, verse 19, we just read the fullness of God. In chapter 4, verse 13, here's what it says. Ephesians 4, 13. Till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Well, he wants them to be filled with the fullness of God. Now he's talking about the fullness of Christ. Well, guess what? Next, in chapter 5 and verse 18, he talks about the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. The word that's used in these passages is a Greek word, which um, it's the word plerao. It simply means uh, like a ship that opens a sail. So if you were on a sailboat and you cast off and you're getting out into the water, what's going to give that sailboat power? and direction, the wind. But if you've got your sails tied down, you're not going to get any power or direction. You're just going to float, drift, meaningless, without purpose, without direction. Oh, that's the last thing I want to see at Eastside Baptist Church. What I want to see is you all holding your sails open by faith and letting the Spirit of God flood those sails filling them until they're all full up, giving this church power and direction. The fullness of God. The fullness of Christ. The fullness of the Spirit. Right here at Eastside Baptist Church. That's what I long to see. And that's what you want too. Paul says, when all these things are present, when the church is strengthened by the Spirit, when the church has Christ reigning in every heart, when the church is dominated by love in everything we do, 
when the church is experiencing the presence and fullness of the Holy Spirit, then God will be glorified in His church. That's why we do everything we do. You ready to pray? Let's pray. Father, I pray that Eastside Baptist Church will be filled with all the fullness of God, that people would know and experience the presence of the Holy Spirit, that the power of the risen Christ may rest upon us. May God be glorified in this church, both now and forever. We pray in Jesus' great name. Amen. I would like for us to consider what our next step is going to be. And, and let me just tell you what we're going to do in response to this message. Here's, here's what I'm expecting for us to do today. I'm going to talk about the next step we need to take. Just kind of outline those things real quickly for us. And then I'm going to ask us to come to the altar so we can pray. We can dedicate ourselves to the Lord. We can find what God wants us to do in our personal lives. We can surrender to Christ. We can ask God to fill us and control us. We can pray for the fullness of God to be here. We can ask God to use us in His kingdom plan, in His kingdom purposes. Some of you might want to rededicate your lives to the Lord. You can do it right here at the altar. When we get to that invitation, I'm going to encourage you to come. If you're able, I'm going to encourage you to come. Just kneel here at the altar and talk to the Father. Alright? So let's look at these next steps. First of all, you might be here and you've never made a commitment of your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is your next step. I need to commit my life to Jesus Christ. This is not joining the church. I'm not talking about that at all. I mean, I'd love for you to join Eastside Baptist Church, but this is not talking about joining the church. This is talking about your personal relationship with Christ. It's as easy as ABC. You've heard me say it so many times. Hey, admit that you're a sinner. Nobody comes to Christ without admitting that you're a sinner. The Bible calls it repentance. It's turning away from your sin and turning toward Christ. If you think you can carry your sin into a relationship with Christ, you are sadly mistaken. Salvation is, among other things, turning your back on sin. It's saying, I'm done with those sinful attitudes. I'm done with those sinful actions. I'm done with those sinful words. I am done with that. I am following Christ. Then you allow Him to work in your life and set you free from those things that have held you back. A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe on Jesus Christ. That means you believe that He died for you on the cross, shedding His blood so that you could be forgiven, so that I could be forgiven. God punished my sin in Jesus at the cross. He did the same for you, but you have to believe that. Do you believe that Jesus Christ died for you? I mean, not, not for everybody. I mean, did He die for you? 
Could you actually say, Jesus Christ died for me? Believing that. Believing that Jesus Christ died for you and that He rose from the dead on the third day. Listen, if Jesus Christ died for you and He didn't raise from the dead, then He's just like any other man. But if Jesus Christ died for you and He rose from the dead, then He's more than a man. He's the God-man. He's the man who is worthy to die in your place. And by raising from the dead, it proves that God accepted His sacrifice on your behalf. So you believe. A, admit you're a sinner. B, believe on Jesus Christ. C, commit your life to Him. This is more than an intellectual understanding of the fact. Listen, you can be Bible-wise and spiritually stupid. I'm just serious about that. You can know a whole bunch of Bible facts. You can know everything that I've just said this morning and still die and go to hell. Because it's not an intellectual agreement. It is a heart commitment. You're committing your life to Jesus Christ. You're saying, I'm not going to be in charge anymore. I'm turning my life over to Jesus Christ. I'm committing my life to Him. That's what salvation is about. You don't try Jesus. You commit your life to Him. You surrender to Him. You don't try Him. He's not a pizza to be tried out. He's the Lord! He's Jesus Christ. He's risen from the dead. He's the Lord of glory. He's the King of kings. He's the Creator of the universe. He sustains and controls everything. You don't try Him. You surrender to Him. So maybe that's your next step. I wonder if there's anybody here today that needs to say, that's my next step. I need to commit my life to Jesus Christ. Would you be willing to stand up right where you are? You'll say, yeah, that's me. I need to commit my life to Jesus Christ today. You see, if you can't do it in here where everybody's cheering you on, you'll never stand up out there where everybody's going to be up against you. Everybody's going to be mocking you and making fun of you and persecuting you for being a follower of Jesus Christ. You'll never be bold out there if you can't be bold in here. Anybody here need Jesus? Second commitment. You may be here and you realize, hey, I know Jesus. I gave my heart to Him years ago, but to tell you the truth, my life has not been on track. I've been selfish. I've been kind of living in my own strength and I haven't been following Him. I haven't been seeking Him. Christ would not be at home in my heart because I've been rebellious. He's still there. I know He is. I'm His child. He saved me. But I haven't been living for Him. You need to make a recommitment of your life to Him. And that might be your next step. Perhaps your next step is public baptism. Baptism doesn't save you. It doesn't add to your salvation. The baptism is a public way of declaring that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. That you saying to everybody out here, I am not ashamed to tell you that I have chosen to follow Jesus Christ. He's my Lord and Savior, and I'm going to follow Him all the days of my life. And that's what you're saying when you're publicly baptized. It is your profession of faith. So that might be your next step, and I'd love to talk with you about that. 
what it means to follow the Lord and believe his baptism. Finally, as we gather for prayer here in just a moment, you might need to commit yourself to praying for Eastside Baptist Church. Transitions are hard. I'm going to have a hard time turning loose of you. I hope you're going to have a hard time turning loose of me. But they're hard. And you need prayer to get you through it. I'm confident of this. God is in control. And He has great plans for Eastside Baptist Church. But we have to trust Him and we have to pray. I've been praying. I mean, I've been praying and saying, God, give us spirit-led transitions. Help me to hand the baton off in a way that really honors you and accomplishes your kingdom purposes. And I want to do that so badly. So you have to pray for me and I'm going to be praying for you. Maybe you'd come to this altar and you'd just pray and say, God, I want whatever you want. Don't you think that's a great place to start? God, I want whatever you want. I'm surrendering to your will today. Maybe you've got other burdens that we haven't even talked about today. God's been speaking to your heart, and you know that there's things you need to put on the altar and just turn them over to the Lord. This would be a good time to do that. I'm going to invite you to come right now. Let's make this altar a place of prayer, okay? Would you join me? Let's pray together. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>